Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with the scripture reading and a message. We would love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins on the corner of Napa and Hopkins. Or if you connect with our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website, epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley. I'm Charlie Larigo. I'm a great, happy to be a member of this congregation and a fellowship. And I have the opportunity this morning to read to you from one of the more interesting books of the Bible, the book of Daniel, which is full of angels and which is full of tremendous stories. And the piece of it that we're going to be work, listening to, to this morning as the scripture follows a time of description of horrible things that are happening. So I'm going to read to you from uh, the message, which is a new translation of this book. Uh, It's written by Eugene Peterson, and he put a subtitle on what the section we're going to read is. It's called, The Worst Trouble the World Has Ever Seen. And here is the message. It's It's a visitation from an angel trying to tell Daniel something. And that's when, in all this horrible thing going on, Michael, the great angel prince, the champion of your people, that's when he's going to step in. It will be a time of trouble, the worst trouble the world has ever seen. But your people will be spared saved from the trouble, every last one found written in the book. Now many of those who have been long dead and will wake up, some to eternal life and others to eternal shame. Men and women who have lived wisely and well will shine brilliantly like the cloudless, star-strewn night skies. And those who put others on the right path to life will glow like stars forever. The message from the book of Daniel. My guess is that, like me, you have been glued to the news this week. Not just to monitor the air quality index for our own health, but in sorrow and in empathy at the ongoing devastation and loss of life in and around Paradise, California. Our own Bill Miller lived and worked in Paradise for 25 years. And I believe all of us know someone who has been directly affected by this devastation. Last year, after the significant fires in Sonoma and Napa, the United Methodist denomination granted our conference funds to hire a disaster coordinator. And um, our conference disaster coordinator is a woman named Sonia Ed Bennett. And she began working earlier this year and has been in the affected areas since the disaster struck. 
She, along with the conference's early response coordinator, has re requested hygiene and school kits from UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, and Bishop Carcano requested an initial $10,000 grant to help with immediate needs for food and clothing and shelter. All of this was delivered straight away. It's times like these when we see the power of the connectional system of United Methodism. We know that persons all over the globe are getting direct information from our conference people on the ground and are praying for us and are sending help. The swift and compassionate action of our connection reminds us that Methodism was built as a movement of people who wanted to be intentional about being connected to support each other through good times and bad times, and in being faithful, in listening for God, and watching over each other in love. This week, the fires and the aftermath have often been described as apocalyptic, and the word apocalypse has been used regularly in news reports. I'm sure you've heard these descriptions. The common understanding of apocalypse is drawn often, I think, for in our popular imagination from movies that show a level of destruction that's unfathomable and a point to and point to what is often referred to as the end of times. But apocalypse has a much deeper and more important meaning than just destruction and endings. An apocalypse is not so much an end but a moment of transformation. The Greek word apocalypsis meant revelation in the sense that something hidden was being unveiled. You can see in a new moment what had been there all along. One of the things we are seeing clearly in the fires we are experiencing is the effect of climate change the lack of adequate housing, the vulnerability of our seniors, and especially in the case of the Paradise Fire, the lack of evacuation routes. But we are also seeing the strength of our human community and the power of our organizations for response. First responders, disaster workers, chaplains, nurses, churches, show the level of strength and resilience and potential for quick movement that exists among us. They show that there is a fabric around us built on care and compassion, but that fabric is only as strong as the investment we give to it, the threads we weave into it uh, by being awake and connecting with each other. Matthew Gabriel is the chair of the Department of Religion at Virginia Tech, a school that experienced its own tragedy, and wrote this week about the fires and apocalypse, saying, so when we see the word apocalyptic used to describe the California wildfires, whether in 2015, 2016, 2017, or 2018, or in the future, will continue to understand the suffering and destruction. But I wonder if there might be another question pulling at us, buried underneath the ash and the tears. Maybe that adjective is doing more work. 
may be describing a tragedy like the California wildfires as apocalyptic is really asking us to think about what comes afterward. Ultimately, apocalypsis asks both participants and viewers, now that the hidden thing can be seen, now that you understand, how will you live differently in a world transformed? Our scripture today comes from the book of Daniel, from the body of biblical literature often referred to as apocalyptic. Apocalyptic writings typically emerged out of times of great suffering and pointed to an end when the suffering would be no more. In the verses you heard Charlie read this morning, there is reference to the angel Michael, a deliverer of justice and a prediction that there will be a time of anguish such as the world has never seen. But then the scripture goes on to say, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The book of Daniel was written in a time in the history of the Jewish people when the Jews were in exile in Babylon and under the rule of a foreign king. And throughout this period, or this period period that's being referenced, they experienced persecution and oppression, which including the prohibition of worshiping their God in their way, Yahweh, and practicing their faith. The book of Daniel is a collection of stories of resistance against a subjugating power. Resistance that becomes manifest in examples of collective action, such as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego that you heard the choir sing of, when these these faithful Jews refused to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar and are thrown into a furnace and survive, and in the envisioning through dreams and prophecies of a time when the people are free to live in peace. Imagining a future of peace with justice is an act of resistance. If an apocalypse is a time when something that is hidden is being revealed, we must ask ourselves what is being revealed here. What is being revealed in the book of Daniel is not just the power of God to save God's people, but the power of people to partner with God, to bring into being a new reality through faithfulness and collective action, through casting a vision of freedom and remembering who and whose they are. In the history of persons who have been enslaved and subjugated, This dialectic of collective action and vision based on faith is the essential rhythm that has given persons the strength to stand up to power as well as to bring into focus the future they are striving for, we are striving for. But the dialectic, before it can emerge, some kind of consciousness-raising catalyst is necessary. For the Jewish people in the Babylonian exile and later, apocalyptic literature was that catalyst. Today, in movements for justice and a new reality of peace and power, that moment of consciousness is often described by one word, 
woke. The use of the word woke and the phrase stay woke has emerged into more popular usage in the last 10 years, first through the African-American singer Erica Badu, who connected stay woke to social justice, then through the broader movement for black lives. It was an expression and is an expression of both consciousness and resistance at once. It's interesting to me that part of our scripture for today uses a similar phrasing. Many of those who sleep in the dust shall awake, some to everlasting life. When what has been hidden becomes revealed, when consciousness is raised and a movement toward freedom and compassion and justice is born, being awake and part of a movement feels like life. In 2016, a small group of United Methodist clergy of which I was a part decided that on the eve of General Conference, which is our every four-year global gathering of United Methodists, we would organize a mass coming out of LGBTQ clergy from across the denomination. Our goal was to have at least 100 clergy on our list. Though there are many more LGBTQ clergy in the denomination, many serve in places where they felt unsafe coming out. And so um, in the final weeks before General Conference, it wasn't clear that we were actually going to have 100 names. But a couple of nights before General Conference was set to open, we had passed 100, and we released our statement uh, with 111 names. And the huge response to this announcement crashed our hosting website, and we quickly had to switch to another site. And this collective action set off a chain uh, reaction of other actions. Thousands of allied clergy signed on a statement saying that if, if they were asked to follow any LGBT clergy who was removed, they would not do so. They wouldn't take that appointment. They would just refuse to do so. And then thousands of allied lay people signed, um, signed a, a similar statement saying that if their pastor was attempted to be removed for being LGBTQ, they would follow their pastor. Um, and then the, the general conference made a decision to create a whole, a whole commission and process around trying to break this, this place that we have been in into a place that is more compassionate and more just and more inclusive for persons of all sexual orientations. And then regional bodies started making statements saying that they would not follow discriminatory rules. And then we elected a lesbian bishop. For me, I was surprised in some ways how sweet it felt to organize and make this mass announcement. I've been out for years, and co my coming out was not news, um, which was the case, the case for several on the list. But what was different was that this was a collective action, a rising up, an apocalyptic moment, if you will, of revealing and making seen what needed to be seen. It was a new moment in a movement that had been moving since the formation of groups like Affirmation, of which members of our congregation have been a part, and Reconciling Ministries, of which our congregation is a part, which have advocated for LGBTQ justice. And this was a new moment in that movement and a new moment for the church. 
Today, the number of LGBTQ clergy joining us has climbed over 300. And this was possible because of our movement. Myself alone being out made little difference to an LGBTQ clergy person in Alabama or Georgia. But as part of a movement, it made all the difference in the world. In struggles for freedom and justice across space and time, music has been a critical component. And so part of this, this morning's service is, is the, the, the movement of struggles, the movement of music. We began this morning with Lift Every Voice, the song known as the Black National Anthem that has connected movements for black freedom for decades. Lacey, Pastor Lacey shared Siahamba, which uh, with the children and with all of us, a song that comes out of the South African freedom struggle. Methodism, of course, began as a movement in which hymns and songs have been the binding tissue, connecting us one to another and giving us strength and identity. Spirituals such as Didn't My Lord Deliver Daniel were the communication to thousands of enslaved African Americans that you are not alone. There is a way out and there is hope. Movement songs have been a way of holding on to that edge of transformation and staying woke. I believe that one of the most insidious dimensions to suffering is isolation. In fact, isolation is suffering. The truth is, though, that we are all one. As we face each challenge that life gives us, we are called to move out of isolation and to bring others out of isolation. We are called to connect. We are called to move and be a movement of transformation toward a new day where forces natural and human-made no longer have the power to cause suffering because God plus the movement of people is more powerful, powerful beyond measure. Oh,